We're currently in the midst of a special season focused on healing. A season that God prompted and God has been delivering on. Barbie is another one of the guests that has come from Podmatch, and there are so many more in store. And I've been really amazed to see how God is actually really fleshing out this idea of healing. And today's episode is no different. Barbie reached out to me through Podmatch, and when I read her profile, I realized there really is a lot that we could talk about. She has been through so much. But there's a moment in her interview that really caught my attention. I was asking her to flesh out some of the many things that she had gone through, and she started to, but then she had a moment where she shifted gears and really emphasized what God had done within her and around her understanding of her identity. I mean, it caught me off guard when it happened because it seemed like such a stark shift. But as I edited and as I listened back, I realized that's actually a really beautiful topic, healing in our identity. Barbie thought that she knew who she was and who she was meant to be. She felt it within her. And yet God had abundantly more than she could ask or imagine in mind. And he took her on a journey that at the time seemed awful and horrible and unfair, but was actually the only way to get to the place that he knew he had created her to be. You know, sometimes we feel like we need healing in certain areas. And what God might know that we don't is that we actually need healing around our understanding of our identity. God knows who he created us to be, and he wants us to know that. And it could be that right now you are in a space where he is inviting you to be healed of your false understanding so that you can live fully as who he sees you as. You're listening to episode 67 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for the way that you've been moving lately through amazing conversations, through amazing people who have amazing stories that you've given them. Yeah, we just anticipate that that's not going to be any different today, that you are going to be at work and you're going to move. I thank you for the story that you've given Barbie, both the parts that she is aware of and maybe the parts that you are still revealing and you could even reveal today. And so to that end, we just want to welcome you to guide the conversation to guide our words, uh, to guide our thoughts. First and foremost, we want you to be honored and glorified through it. Um, But we also know that you can use this to encourage and inspire others, even to encourage and inspire us. So we give you this time and we thank you for it. All this we pray in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. So Barbie, you are another person, just like so many of my guests recently that I've never met before, that we connected through Podmatch. And When we connected and I looked at your profile, I realized there are probably a billion episodes worth of stories that you could tell for this (laughs) healing season that we're in. But before we jump into all that, I want to imagine that you walk into a restaurant and they're doing this weird speed friendship thing where you only have 30 seconds to sit down and tell someone who you are and see if a friendship starts before the bell rings and you go to the next. So you've got 30 seconds. Who are you, Barbie? Ding. Ding. I am Barbie Ingle, and I live in Arizona, but I have a varied background being born in Bangkok, Thailand, and growing up as a military daughter. I thought that I would not succeed in life. I had, was told I have a learning disability, that I wasn't going to go very far, and I ended up graduating college in four years and started my own cheer and dance training company that I was going to be a cheerleader the rest of my life, was in a car accident. And that's the biggest time that God revealed himself to me was going through that time. And now I am an advocate and I share God's light with the world because that's what my purpose is here on earth. That's good. Ding. You know, sometimes I'm not sure what the next question will be or where the conversation will go. But the sense that I have is to just let you jump right into your story. You mentioned already some challenges. You saw your life before you, and then there was a car accident. Yeah, just pick up the story. Sure. (laughs) So with the car accident, I always knew, since I was four, I always knew my purpose in life was to be a cheerleader. And that's what I lived my life to do. To me, that was performing and being out in front of the crowd and being a vocal voice. 
But when I achieved all of that, I put God on the back burner. I went through, I'm Catholic. I went through CCD, which is Bible school for other religions. But I went through all of that. I did the confirmation. I did all the things that you're supposed to do because I was supposed to do them. And when I got ill, I all of a sudden, my whole world turned upside down and I started losing everything around me. And things that I thought were important, things that I thought were huge, things that I thought that I am, I thought they were my I am, I am a cheerleader, were gone. Literally an eight second accident put me on a whole new trajectory. It took me three years to get a proper diagnosis. I saw 43 doctors before I got the right diagnosis. I knew that I wouldn't give up the life that I had, but in that losing everything, I had been married for 10 years. I lost my ability to drive. I lost my home that I worked hard to get the money to pay for. Mm -hmm. I had a million dollars in medical bills. I went from riding around in, in private jets and limos to food stamps. And I never really said, why me, God? I said, what am I missing? what is happening and it was that through trying to be this cheerleader in life a physical cheerleader i was missing out on so much i was taking life for granted and god had dropped pebbles along the way and they got turned into rocks and turned into rocks and for me the like the boulder of hey you're not on the right path and i've been trying to tell you god dropped a boulder in front of me that was so huge that i had to stop and take notice and in that time, I learned patience. I learned that I was taking life for granted, that I wasn't living in God's light, even though I thought I had enough God for me and my ex-husband. He did not believe in God. But through our divorce, he started going to church and accepted God and became a Christian. So like something good came out of even the divorce. And God would show me every day. I'd say, how am I going to get food? He would find a way. Where am I going to live? He would find a way and create or put that in my path. And that was all getting around this big boulder in my life that I wasn't supposed to be a physical cheerleader performing. I was supposed to be a mental cheerleader that was cheering on the world and cheering on people. And the things that mattered in life were human connection. And that through giving me patience and and giving me rare diseases that I didn't even know how they were going to affect me even to this day, it was a way to say, hey, you're on the wrong path. I've been dropping these rocks in front of you. You didn't pick them up. Here's a boulder. Stop and reevaluate your life. And, And that's exactly what I did and realized that I was not doing cheerleading the way that God was asking me to do cheerleading. And so even in that short story, this wasn't the story of just one thing. Like it started off, you know, you mentioned an accident, car accident, but in the midst of that story, it's like a whole mess of things that you were dealing with. Yeah. The accident triggered a rare disease, which brought on secondary diseases in my body. So physically that's like the number one thing that changed, but also I woke up to who I am and what I'm supposed to do. And I actually had a therapist that taught me I am exercise that I did. And that was part of my growth in that time. But I lost my marriage. I lost my job. I lost my company. I lost my home, my ability to drive. I was bed bound and wheelchair bound for seven years. I got, it took three years to get a right diagnosis, but it took seven years to actually get back to walking again. Mm. And everything in my life, things that I never thought that I would do, like write a book. I published a book during that time, not because I was trying to write a book. I have a learning disability. I was never going, I don't even like reading a book. Now I got to write a book. Um, And God just put that in my life. This is your purpose to share this journey and this story. God was showing me that I could do miracles and that he was giving me miracles and that I should expect miracles. And when I was giving it up, what I was trying to hold on to in this earthly being and started being a doer and living for Jesus in in the light of God, it totally changed where I was going, what was put in my path, the people that were around me, the support systems that I was able to give to others, even in my worst time of life. 
Mm-hmm. And he also brought me a, a new marriage that someone equally yoked with me that is a believer. And like I said, even with my ex-husband, he helped me bring him to the light and to accept God not just Jesus. I mean, he didn't even believe that there was a higher being of any type. Literally every aspect of my life changed. And even the things that I thought were horrible, like losing everything financially was actually not, it was part of the stepping stones to build a life that was purposeful and that made a difference and showed me how my impact and sharing my story and sharing my journey could help other people. And even it's constantly evolving. And so as I strengthened in my faith, in my relationship with God, I was able to talk about it more and more. This last like year and a half now, it's something that keeps coming up in conversation. And I was strengthening myself to where I needed to be in my relationship and, and talking to God every day and living for him and using that to help other people on earth. But this last year and a half has really been showing the light to the world. This is how you do. Now, this is how you share. And like I will be booked for an interview that's supposed to totally be about a different topic, reality television, which is reality's not real. But it somehow turns to, you know how great God is? Look at what he did in my life. And it totally changes to a whole different story. And shines to the world. So it, it really has been a journey and every step has been just compounded into the next to, to make it a journey that's so unbelievable. And all the things I've been through that all added together is only by the grace of God is why I'm here and other people can see that. And your story is such a beautiful example of one of my favorite verses, which I feel like I bring up in conversation or in prayer or, or something every day is to him who is able to do abundantly more, far exceedingly more than you can ask or imagine because of the power at work within you. And your story is a beautiful picture of that abundantly more than we can ask or imagine because you were imagining what the best life would be. And it would be to be this traditional cheerleader and on a platform and God had abundantly more. And the hard piece between those two points is that middle space of learning who God is, who he's created us to be and how we learn to trust him in that. Because it was interesting when you were talking, you mentioned losing all of your money. (laughs) And in my mind, I was like, but on a level, it is a bad thing. But the difference is what you know now is that money doesn't matter in terms of what God can do and who he is. And so there can be things that are functionally on a level bad that you're like now talking like the Apostle Paul. I've learned the secret to being content in all situations. Exactly. I, I, it's exactly what I learned. And at first it was scary and it was sad. It's like, I did the hard work. I did all the things I was supposed to do to have these things in my life. Why are they gone? Like, what is the purpose in that? But now today I am stronger. I have patience. I have built a new life back up. It's different than the old life. I still accomplished all of those things in that, in that time. No one can take those accomplishments away. However, if I lost everything today, if I had nothing, I would be okay. God will always provide me food, clothing, and shelter. And those are like the the basic needs that I, that I have in life and everything else is a bonus. And it just helps you appreciate and see that no matter what, if you keep going and for me, it's life is like the football game and I could be losing 50 to zero, but I still have hope. And that hope, even when it's the tiniest spark of hope is what can get me through. And I live abundantly with almost nothing because I learned how to do that and saw that I could do that. Mm-hmm. And, and going through all the challenges that I faced health-wise, financially, relationships, everything, every, literally every aspect of life. Yeah. It's like you lost too much and somehow you gained back even more than you had before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, abundance is a good word. I still am doing the work it takes. I learned that life isn't fair. Like people will say, well, I just want my child to have a fair time at school. I'm like, but that's not life. 
like God never said life's going to be fair. Mm -hmm. Do what is best for you and your relationship with God and what your purpose is here on earth. And I was lucky. I knew from a young age what my purpose was. I knew it was to be a cheerleader. I just didn't know what that meant to God. I had an earthly view of it up until I became sick. So I still knew what my purpose was and was trying to work towards that. And the skills that I needed now, God taught me all along the way, responsibility, time management, organizing, the things that you have to do to, to make a team work. You know, that's part of making humanity work and doing your part in that and seeing all of the pieces and knowing even to the fact of, I can't see all the pieces in life. I just have a belief that there's a large picture and I'm in this part of the picture. Mm -hmm. And this whole picture is going on at the same time. And I don't need to try to coordinate and organize every single part of the picture. I need to make sure that my part is good. And then the, that shine onto the parts around me, which will shine onto the parts around them, which will shine to the whole picture, making everything a good picture. Yeah, you, you know, when you mentioned that the reality of life is that it's not fair, it made me think of how we as people often get this idea in our mind of the perfect life, the perfect life that we could reach, and we believe that it's possible. And so we will pour ourselves into doing that. We will feel like it's unjust when it's not there. And we will spend more time pursuing a perfect life than we do a perfect God. And that's what you've experienced is you got to see the, the fruits of both pursuing the perfect life. You could do that insofar as there was no barriers, but once there are barriers, your capacity to create your perfect life didn't exist. But the moment you shifted over to seeking a perfect God, yep. suddenly there are things in his capacity that he could do that you couldn't. There's two scriptural references that have come up in my mind since we've been talking the first is that difference between you thought you were going to be a traditional cheerleader, but now I think the way you write it on your profile is a cheerleader of hope. Yes. And it reminded me of how Peter and a few others had invested their lives, built their lives around being fishermen. That's what they knew. That's where they had shaped everything around it. And then Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to totally disrupt your path of life and invite you to be fishers of men instead. And it's going to be very different than you expected. And it's oh, going to look <laughs> nothing like what you can do. Right. And, yes. and they did it. And it, that sounds like that's part of what your experience has been is, you know, instead of a, a cheerleader of games, it's a cheerleader of hope. And that's such right. a beautiful picture. Thank you. Really. It's given to me by God. It's the talent that he gave me. And I needed to learn these life lessons along the way. And it made me a stronger person when it was time for me to give up trying to be perfect myself. Cheerleaders try to be perfect and in sync with everybody around them and doing exactly what you're supposed to do instead of concentrating on who am I here for? What is the purpose? <laughs> and, and so I needed to learn all these skills so that when I need those tools, I can use them. But then God said, all right, now you're doing this in the right way. I'm going to bless you abundantly. And it doesn't matter if you're perfect, if life's not fair, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And that's just the way that this world works. And know that not everybody in this world is going to understand you or hear your message now, but maybe plant seeds that can grow into trees of knowledge so that when they need that information and it's their time, they have that. And they say, oh, I remember this on the podcast that was talking about, you know, life's not fair, but that doesn't mean that it's not life and that you're not blessed abundantly. Mm -hmm. Look around and reevaluate what's going on because there's so many miracles that happen every single day. Things that happen that we just don't even celebrate or where you're like, man, this happened. But then you look back in six months and you go, if that moment in time didn't happen, that felt so wrong and so unfair, I wouldn't be here in this spot today. I wanted to be a class patrol person like in elementary school and I didn't get selected. 
And, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, this is the end of the world. And then I look back and go, okay, it just showed me that that wasn't my thing. That wasn't where I was supposed to be to do the things I was supposed to do in this life. And it opened up other doors for me that I could go and spend that time doing other things, helping other people and, and in different ways. So it, it literally, when you look back, even if you don't understand it now, know that God is with you and that there is a reason for however it turned out, even if it doesn't feel fair or you feel like you put everything into it, it might just not have been meant for you and that's okay. And knowing that and still getting the life lesson out of that situation to take into the future, into other things that you're going to be doing to fulfill your proper path, that's when you'll look back and go, oh, that's why I learned that. That's why that was brought into my life. God has a plan. God, you're so crafty. He, he's, he's perfect in all things. And so even if it doesn't fit what we want, it's his perfection and it will be revealed in time in this life or when we get to heaven, it'll all make sense. So don't get mad about it now. Yeah. That's been a recurring theme that I've been finding in, in these conversations and others. And it taps into that abundantly more first because we have these ideas of what the best case scenario would be, what the good things would be, or, or more to the point, what God should do for us. And God's purpose in our lives is to make sure that we don't have to go through hard things, make sure we don't have to be sick, is to, to heal us from things, to give us the right job, to give us the right opportunities, because the best case scenario is a good, comfortable life. And, and in some ways, we're not wrong. Those would be good things. But it's like God looks at us and says, I know why you think that is the best thing, but I know something better. And sometimes he's doing something even beyond us. And the other passage that came to my mind actually came to my mind when I was reading through your Podmatch profile. And you had a part on there that said that you had been seeing over 100 healthcare professionals having major surgeries that you didn't need. And you were having complications such as internal bleeding. Mm -hmm. And it was that last piece that triggered in my mind the story of Mark 5 of the woman with internal bleeding. And she had also gone to many, many, many healthcare professionals and had a shared story like what you shared where you're like, I kept going to doctors and they just could not figure out what was wrong with me. And I kept going and kept going and I kept going. And in her story, she has a moment where none of her other efforts have worked. Her life has been disrupted. I don't know how old she was, but the last 12 years had been horrendous for her. But maybe she also had a plan for her life that was disrupted when this happened. And she got to a point where she realized the opportunity before her was a crazy one, but she was going to do it, which was to go up to this guy who supposedly could heal, who she couldn't even get to easily because there was a crowd. And normally a healer has to look at you and put their hand on you all right. Like that's probably what she's thinking. But she's like, I can't, the best I could do is touch his clothes. But she had gotten to a point where she was so desperate for, for something that she finally stopped seeking doctors and she sought God, even in the strangest of ways. What was that point for you where you realized the futility of some of these other things you were pursuing, ways that you were trying to fix your life, and you switched over to realizing maybe, maybe God has something? What was the point where you, you felt that transition happen and what was that like? Oh, goodness. It probably was about the time that I got diagnosed. Right before that, I had said, look, I'm, I'm searching and searching and searching. I'm trying to give God my anxiety and my stress and my worries. And I'm going through so much. I had a doctor tell me, you are going to die if you don't have your rib taken out. Wow. I thought doctors know all. Follow what the doctor says. I thought God was leading him and maybe he was because he needed to learn something. And he made a mistake on that surgery and messed up my right lung. Oh. And in that, I, I had five lung collapses. One was a full lung collapse. It was laying on my heart. My life flashed before me and God showed me my life up to that point. It was like a thousand pictures at the same time with a thousand words for every picture. And what I got out of it was stop stressing the small stuff. Stop searching for answers. You're on the right path. You just are doing it wrong. 
And the thing that matters most in life is human connection. The person you smiled at just to be nice because you're passing them on the sidewalk, the person you held the door for, the person you asked if they're okay, that's the, the human connections that God is asking us for. And if you can stop doing this search and start being a human doer and making those human connections, that's what matters most. Let go of the other stuff and it will be taken care of. You don't have to stress or worry about it. I think that changed me. And when I went into the doctor that finally did diagnose me properly, he said, I think this is what it is, but I want you to go research for yourself. And I was like, yeah, because I'm not going to let, I've already been through all of these bad things. <laughs> I am not going to let you work on me until I am comfortable. I need to go home and pray about it, think about it, be my own advocate and stand up for myself instead of relying on everybody else to do it for me in this situation, I have to, to do it. So that really was a change. And then the night that I had the, the work, I had had internal bleeding for almost a year and I was ignoring it and, and ignoring it and just taking the medications, doing all the things that the doctors were telling me to do. And that night I was laying on the bathroom floor, praying, feeling like I was on my way to heaven. I thought I could die that night. I got a piece of paper and a pencil and started writing to the people on earth, like my goodbye. Mm -hmm. And all I could think to say was, I've loved you fully. And I started just writing down all the names of all the people I love. That was a, a moment as well. Like I am here for a reason, but I felt my time was coming to an end. And it was because I wasn't following God. It was because I was trying to follow these earthly doctors that are doing their best. But as we know, the only perfect person is God. And Jesus is the perfect person. God is the perfect being. I had to realize that I'm not perfect and that I, in those two moments, I think that I saw it and I lived it. So I think it was like a two-part understanding yeah. of what was happening. Yeah. You know, it's interesting about the story you just shared is it really pairs well with the other part of this story in Mark 5, because the story starts, it says, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And that's where Jesus was heading when this other woman happened to see Jesus <laughs> and think, maybe, maybe this will work. Uh, yeah. I, I heard about Jesus, so I'm, I'm going to try it and just touch his clothes. This break in Jesus's movement was enough for people from Jairus's home time to come out and say, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And Jesus' response was, don't be afraid, just believe. And then later on, he says, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And there's this point where we can get to the end of ourselves and we can think there is no more life after this whether it is physically on the floor in pain and there's just, I just feel it, there's no way forward. Or in some of the most hopeless moments of our life where we're in a hard situation and we're like, all we sense ahead is death because we have tried, we've tried everything. And Jairus saw God, like he went to Jesus and it seemed like even that effort failed. And what I love about both of those stories and the connections with your story is that in these, the theme was the presence of Jesus. Like, I, I don't recall if the woman actually went out of her way to seek him or if she had just heard about him and there he was. But the fact was that her healing came because Jesus was present and he was walking through. She did the work of, you know, squeezing through the crowd and reaching out and touching, but it's the presence of Jesus. And Jesus was present and walking through your life, even in the moments where you felt like there was nothing left. And I think that's what's so beautiful when we start to really get that element of God's love for us is that even in the hardest, worst, most hopeless, most painful moments, God is still there. And somehow he is still loving, even if he's not taking away the pain that we're trying to get him to take. Right. That it's a, it all has a purpose. So that's, I'm like, okay, this moment sucks in my time. My I used to think in 24 hour periods because that's how we're raised and that's what we're taught. And now I see time in moments. This is a moment 
And what do I need to do to make this the best moment to get through this moment? Even if it's one of the hardest moments of my life, it's going to be okay. I know, and I believe, and I have full trust that everything is going to be okay. This is a moment and I'm going to have good moments and bad moments, but in all moments, God is with me. And when you trust and you know, and you feel that it can take away the harshness of the moment. And yes, the pain, yeah, it's a a level 10 out of 10. You can't imagine anything worse. At that same time, good things are happening. They're lining up, they're unfolding as they're supposed to. And you're getting through the moment. And when you make it through one, if I don't make it through on this earth, then I'm in heaven with God. So yay. (laughs) But as long as I keep making it through each moment, good or bad, to the best of my ability, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be to the best of my ability. Then all will be okay here on earth. And what's supposed to happen will happen. And sometimes it surprises me. And I'm like, oh, that unfolded like so amazing, like a unique and unusual flower that you just don't expect. You think this flower's about to die. And all of a sudden it springs back because God can do miracles and those miracles happen. So why would they not happen for you? Yeah. You know, what I love about your story too, and and what you're doing with your life is it actually causes us to press even deeper on how God can redeem the brokenness because where we start out is very much individually focused. Right. And, and sometimes it is true and, and it is happening. Like you've shared a couple of examples of this thing happened, but because of this thing, now I ended up writing a book, but sometimes we stop short. And that we think that that's all that it's about. And I was sharing recently with someone, the greatest commandments are boiled down to love God and love others, which implies that we are created to be in relationship with God and we're created to be in relationship with others. But sometimes in our relationship with God, we make it very individualized. It's about us and God and then what God's going to do with my life. But the reality is sometimes God uses our lives, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of others. So when you were sharing your story of having 10 out of 10 pain, you have experienced something unique that other people in the world have also experienced, but not everybody has experienced. And you are able to be with someone, to comfort someone, to encourage someone, to inspire someone in a way that I couldn't because I haven't experienced what you've experienced. I saw this once in a community Bible study that I helped facilitate. There's a woman that came in. And she did not know if she would be welcome because she hasn't been welcome in churches before, but she just felt like she needed prayer. And we are striving to be a space that anybody can come in, no matter who they are, no matter what their situation is, if they're under the influence, if they're working through things, we want you to feel like you can have space to be present. And that day I was supposed to be the one leading the Bible study. And when I was preparing it, I felt like God said to me, go ahead and prep something, but hold it loosely. It was a sense that I might not get to do the thing that I planned. And sure enough, when she came in, she started sharing some of the things that she was going through, some of the struggles, some of the decisions that she was making that was impacting her life. And some of this revolved around having just gotten out of incarceration, uh, revolved around addiction to certain things. And I knew what things I could say that might be technically true but I have not been incarcerated. I have not wrestled with substance abuse addiction. And, but there was someone else at the table who had been coming to the Bible study who had been through those things. And he just started talking to her because he could see her and then she could see him. And there were things that he said that I'm watching. And I'm like, this is why I'm not supposed to be the one leading right now because he is able to interact with her in a way that I never could because he has experienced things that I haven't. And whereas the simplified version could lead us to say, well, how can I make sense of this pain for me personally? Sometimes there's things that God takes us through that's not simply for our betterment, but that God's like, no, 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 no. I sat with you through that because you are going to have the opportunity to sit with others who are in the same amount of pain. And you are going to be able to represent me in those spaces when they feel they're most alone. And I think that's what's so beautiful about God's creativity is it's bigger than us and our dreams, what we can imagine. It is abundantly more, but sometimes it's abundantly more than just us. It's something greater for all of his creation. It is. And so I work with a lot of patients that are going through something similar to me. None of us have the exact same story, but similar stories. 
And I felt this calling from God to help this patient. I'd never met him. I was connected to another patient that I was helping and they were connected to each other. And I heard this story briefly and I just said a message from God that this is, you're supposed to help. And I said, what can I do to help? And he said, I need to get this treatment and I'm just ready to give up on life. And I was like, don't give up, don't give up. Let me see if I can help you. I'll make a few phone calls. And I thought it was going to be like three or four phone calls. And I'm going through the process and I'm at like call 10. Mm. And then I got to like 36 phone calls, literally 36 phone calls of calling, talking to medical providers. Can you, this is what this patient's going through. But every step of the way, I kept thinking, I'm asking him not to give up. I want him to see that I'm not going to give up. It was a task that should have taken a couple of phone calls. And it ended up taking 36 phone calls. I was having to stop and say, okay, God, could this be the phone call? And should I give up? God, should I say I tried my hardest, but I still have energy. I still feel like you're asking me to call and, and do this. Should I keep looking and expand the area? And I ended up going outside. The guy said, I can only get care if it's in this area. I have no way to get care outside this area. And it kept expanding and saying, there is a way. God is telling me that I need to help this guy. I just have to, to keep going and find a way. And 36 phone calls is abundant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I found him, the doctor, and he's like, that's out of my range. And I said, God will provide a way. And a few hours later, another person stepped up and was like, I can get you to and from this medical provider. And the provider was like, I will come after and he can come give him the treatment. I'm like, he doesn't have the money to pay for your treatment and the insurance isn't covering it. We'll handle it. Like God literally, I just had to keep going and show my faith that I could find what it was that God was leading me to. And then once I was able to make that one connection and the doctor came into place, the person that provided the ride, the person who provided the housing for him to stay there that week, just this morning, right before I came on with you, this happened over a little over a year ago. He wrote today to give me an update mm. <laughs> this morning. So I'm wow. like, oh, wow. Yeah. Things happen for a reason and we just don't give up when we don't give up and we keep saying, this is the purpose. And God wasn't putting up roadblocks. It just was, this person couldn't handle the situation, but there has to be another person out there on earth that can handle the situation. And I still felt led through being a cheerleader to cheer this guy on. But part of that cheering him on was finding other leaders that could help him and bring in what they could to the situation to get him to where he needed to be. And it just, worked out so perfectly because I didn't give up. And if I had given up, this man probably would have given up. But instead I got to say, look, I did this through God. I was able to find, and he was like, yeah, cause I tried and I couldn't do it. This is a miracle. I'm like, yeah, this is your miracle. And so then he was like, oh, I got a miracle in life. I'm worthy of a miracle. It just shows how all these people coming together, you think something's impossible, but it's not impossible becomes impossible. Yeah. You know, when you were talking, there's something that I, it triggered in my mind and I want to press into it a little more. And you were reiterating that you were encouraging this guy to not give up, to hang in there. And this was also a part of your story. You went to doctor after doctor, yes. after doctor, after doctor, you could have given up the story of the woman with the bleeding 12 years of trying and trying and trying. It made me think that there are moments in our lives where things have gone on long past when we feel like they should have. It reminded me of Psalm 13, and it starts off, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And it's this reiteration of how long, God. God, it has been not just so long, it's been too long. This is too long, God. How would you encourage someone who feels like they're in that how long, oh Lord space where they've already exhausted their efforts and they don't see a path forward or any options forward? I would say when you think that it's enough, it might feel enough for you, but God has a plan and it will work out. 
You just have to trust and know that. And when you really do trust and know it, God wants you to be like, that was a miracle. Like I literally put my all into it and was done. And here it is just one more step. And there it is. It's like the person trying to dig through the, the escape hatch and they give up. And then you see this picture and they were one inch from the wall where they could have escaped and, and made it and been free. For me, just this past year, I got an offer on our house. It was too good to be true. We're like, is this real? And we went out and said, okay, we're going to go rent a place until we can find a place, another place to buy. And our house had become a, the, the fruit and we, we were supposed to prune it and move on. And there came a moment where after like two days, I physically was in so much pain of going from place to place and not finding a place we could afford, not finding a place that was right for us, a place that was on the ground floor because stairs are really difficult for me. I got home and I got on my knees and started praying to God and said, God, please, I, I don't know what your plan is. I don't know if you want us to stay here or if you want us to go somewhere, but I physically am exhausted. I'm in a lot of pain. I need your help in this moment. And I took a little bit of a break. Then I just said, oh, I'm just going to go to the computer and see what comes up. And the next house that I looked at was the house we live in now. Wow. My husband's like, it can't be that easy. We have to keep looking. And I was like, I literally, God just gave this to us. I don't want to keep looking. And he's like, we got to go to these two other houses and look and see. I'm like, okay. So we, we went to those two other houses and I kept saying, God wants us to have this house. This is our house. And he's like, no, it's not Barbie. It's in a 55 plus community. We're not 55 plus. It has all these obstacles. It needs all this work. And I said, no, I see it. I see what it can be. I see the potential. God gave us this house. God will work it out. And here we are seven months later, we're in a house. The construction's almost done. My husband was able to himself do most of the construction. So it didn't cost us a lot. Yeah. And we got invited into a community where we both are not 55. He's 50, but we were brought into this community and it's the place we're supposed to be. And this was the next thing in line, like, like, God, please, I can't take it anymore. And then this was the next thing. And even then my husband's like, no, it couldn't be that simple. It could not be that simple that you ask God for something. And then there it is. Mm -hmm. But all the times we were looking, I didn't stop to pray and say, God, help guide us and find us the proper place. Once I did that, once I stopped and did that, boom, here it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It literally was like, wow, God's amazing. Here's another miracle. Yeah. What's hitting my mind now is the reality that we're all looking for the answer, right? How do I get out of this situation? How do I fix this? How do I find contentment? How do I find peace? And what we're learning, what I'm learning through these conversations, what you learn through your life experiences, what we learn in interactions with others is you really can't just package it all in a book in the way that we want to do it because not only are there so many different situations, but there's so many different things that God is trying to do because some people find immediate healing and some go through hundreds of doctors or some people find healing and some never do, but they find something else, right? But the yes. core thing, I mean, there is an answer. You and I know the answer. And it's to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will follow. The shift is when we stop seeking the solution to our problem, the fix to our woes, and we start seeking first the kingdom. And when we do that, then we start to realize what answers aren't actually answers. Because what's funny is the analogy you gave of just keep on going, keep on going, because God may have something just a little bit further ahead is absolutely true. There are so many stories where that's true. And yet there's also a story like one I told in a recent episode that I experienced of being in a hard work situation where I felt like I was in a pit and I did keep on going and keep on clawing and keep on trying to get out. And God brought me to a place of saying, you were trying to do things in your own efforts and I just wanted you to sit with me. And so the answer isn't to keep going or to just sit with God. The answer is to Listen. seek God. And if he says, keep on going or just trust me, then that's what we do. But that's the piece we miss because 
of what we are actually after. Is our goal and pursuit, again, the perfect life or a perfect God? And if it's the latter, then there are ways forward that sometimes we won't even know the way. We just have to take whatever step it seems like God's saying to take. It yeah. is. Earlier, I said, God, through what I went through with my health, God taught me patience. And that was a skill that I needed more of in my life. Like with the patient I was helping, I had to be patient. The thing is with the patience, it also brings you listening and listening to God. And God, do you want me to move forward in this? God, am I supposed to hold back? God, am I supposed to go a different way? When we do that at any point in the process, even when we tried to do it on our own first, if you stop and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm patient, I'm listening. What is the, supposed to happen here? He reveals that. Mm -hmm. Well, we could keep on talking about this, but for the sake of time, are there any final thoughts, anything on your heart, anything you want to share, any words of encouragement? That there's great reason for hope because there is help. All you have to do is reach out and seek it. It is going to be there for you. You just have to truly find the things in your world, in your life that make God that presence, that perfection, let him be perfect. And you continue to live your life and give yourself grace and let go of any grief or guilt, because that's not supposed to be, and anxiety, that's not supposed to be part of the path that we take here on earth. When you learn to let those things go, and when you actually let them go, great things will happen. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the verses, Mark 1 gives us a powerful example of this topic of healing of identity. And it does so through the story of Simon Peter and his brother Andrew having their identities, their very lives, utterly transformed by a single sentence from Jesus. It starts in verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Here's what's so beautiful about this. Verse 16 makes it very clear. They were fishermen. That's what they did. That's what they knew. That's what they had invested their lives into doing. That's what everyone around them knew they were. They were fishermen. That was their identity. Except it wasn't their true identity. That's what Jesus knew. Jesus had a way of being able to look at someone and know the full life he had for them. And he is all about giving an invitation to experience that full life. So he saw these fishermen and knew that their identity was actually abundantly more than they could ask or imagine. So instead of catching fish, he invited them to become fishers of men. I love that Barbie's story captures this element of healing of identity so powerfully. Barbie knew in her core that she was supposed to be a cheerleader. But this core sense ended up being molded based on her own understanding. Her own understanding of her capacities, her own understanding of what was available, her own understanding of what things could be. And meanwhile, there was a God who created her, who fearfully and wonderfully made her, that also knew that she was meant to be a cheerleader. But it's like he looked at her ideas and said, those are nice, but I'm actually thinking something way more amazing for you. Barbie wouldn't have chosen to pursue that with her own understanding. And the struggles that she went through became opportunities for her to die to self, to release the things that she wanted, to release the ways that she understood things. And little by little, she began to lean not on her own understanding, but to submit to God. Little by little, she began to trust God more and more that perhaps he knew better what was up ahead. She stopped protecting herself in her own plans, and began submitting to whatever it was that God had in store, knowing what it could cost her. And she finally achieved her dream of being a cheerleader in a very different way. There had to be moments where Simon and Andrew wondered what in the world was going on. Were they foolish for leaving their boats, their livelihood, their ways of life, and to follow this guy who was doing and saying crazy things? 
But at some point, as they continue to step in obedience, as they continue to grow in faith, they began to realize the beauty and the power and the abundantly more of being fishers of men instead of simply fishermen. Today, you have a sense of your identity. You have a sense of not just who you think you are, but who you are supposed to be based on both your expectations and the expectations of those around you, real or perceived. And meanwhile, there's a God who fearfully and wonderfully made you, who knows who he created you to be, and who desires for you to get there. But what's really cool about Barbie's story is that this wasn't a total shock or surprise. It wasn't a total change of course. Just like Simon and Andrew, she had a sense of what her identity was, but her understanding was limited. There may be things in you that you do feel drawn towards, that you do feel called towards, that you do desire to engage, that you are gifted at. And you may be hitting a point where it seems like the path there is either impossible to go on or is falling apart. It could be that God has given you a clue to your full identity, but you can't get there on your own. And yet by trusting him, you can find a way there that you would have never found on your own. The thing is, is God knows how to get you where you need to be. The question is, are you willing to trust him as a shepherd? God knows your identity and he desires you to know that identity as well. And today you can take a step towards that. So if you're willing, take it to prayer. Say, God, I know how I see myself, but I want to know how you see Will you tell me even just a word of how you see me? And then just sit. Maybe utilize some of what Rich shared around silence. See what God says. And then if you feel like God gives you something, write it down and sit with that. And then take it into the day with you. This, this new understanding of who you are, who God made you to be. Take that with you and see how that changes how you look at the day how you look at what needs to get done, how you understand yourself, and how you understand those around you. So take those next steps with this new understanding of your identity and ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, where you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group, and you will love listening to the rest of the music, so check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?